Turn with me, please, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60. And we're just going to read the first three verses. But keep your Bible open at this chapter, please. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to thy bright to the brightness of thy rising. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for bringing so many out tonight in such a rainy, damp and cold night. We thank you for each and every one who have travelled, whether from near or far. And now, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you, Lord, would settle each and every one of us. Settle our hearts, Lord, and take any distracting thought and every opposing spirit to your word and bind it in Jesus' name. That your word would have free course in this place. So many faces, Lord. So many people. So many needs. And Lord, if there's one who is yet not saved by your grace, we pray that you would extend your hand and your care and your love toward them this evening. That they might be called out of darkness and into your marvelous light. So glorify the Lord Jesus tonight through this man of clay lips. And Father, you will receive the glory and all the honor and all the praise for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. Tonight, our subject, our title is It's Time to Shine in Today's Gross Darkness. It's time to shine in today's gross darkness. A veil of darkness had come upon the hearts and the minds and the lives of God's ancient people, Israel. The call to them was one of warning, but also the call was one of command. Arise and shine, he says. Arise, my people, and shine. After all, they were to be God's own called out witnesses. To be the witness to other peoples, the non-Israelite nations of the earth. For example, in Isaiah 43 and verse 10, God's word says that he speaks unto them, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant in whom... I have chosen. There's much debate in Christian circles of who are the two witnesses in the future books. Let me tell you who the two witnesses are. First of all, it's not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but the two witnesses are these, the house of Israel 
and the house of Judah when the kingdom separated. People try and work out this one and that one. Simple. God said to Israel, you are my witnesses. Not only once, but in chapter 43 of Isaiah and in verse 12 and in chapter 44 and in verse 8. Again, he calls them a treble witness. He says, you are, ye are my witnesses. And hence people try to work out who the witnesses are. To me, it's as plain as a head on a pikestaff. That Israel and the two kingdoms, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, are the witnesses of Yahweh. But Israel have fallen away from God and from the worship and have went their own ways. Their witness has waned. And the people have wandered into darkness. And that darkness has increased. And all other peoples and nations are alike unto Israel in these ancient times. In Isaiah chapter 60, which we have read this evening. Now here's the thing. And I need you to think about this. Israel were to be the witnesses Israel were to be the light unto the Gentiles or the nations, the non-Israelite people. And Israel were to shine, as it were, for God. And we find now they have dulled their faith. They have walked away from Jehovah Yahweh God. And he's calling them to a place of witness again, to arise and shine. Not only then in their day, but also he's pointing to the coming of the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at it, God willing, in a few moments. But take note of this. In all of the earth, think about this, in all of the whole of this planet, of all the peoples that were there, and all the great nations, only one place you would find true light. Only one people which would have the true light were God's ancient Israelite people. For here he says, ye are my witnesses. And it's nowhere else. And again in another place he says, you only have I known of all the families in the earth. And hence they had waned and walked away from the Lord. The darkness has increased and all other peoples and nations are alike unto them. In other words, they're just acting as if they're Gentiles themselves. A little bit in the temple here and a little bit there, but all of it mongrelized and mixed with other ungodly efforts with it. Puts me in mind tonight of Great Britain. Puts me in mind tonight of our own nation, the United Kingdom. Makes me think of how this once great nation that sent forth the printed word of God and the missionaries to every corner, as it were, of the globe. Sent forth... The Bible printed in many different languages. Oh, how it has fallen away from the God which she once served. And notice here in our chapter, Yahweh sends out a call, a command into Israel. His covenant people and nation from their temple and priests to their monarchy the kings of Israel that sat in Judah, that is the southern kingdom in Jerusalem, and before that which sat in the house of Israel in Samaria, the illegitimate line of kings. He sent out a nation, or a warning to the nation. 
And he's telling them, even right to their very, if you want, political headship, he's saying, you have walked away from me. You need to arise and shine again. What is going to make the United Kingdom or Britain great again? It's only a great name among the peoples of the earth. What is going to make Britain great again? What is going to make Little Ulster great again? It's going to be another political party there. Help us. What is it? But when we hear the word of God, when preachers stand in the pulpit and preach, instead of telling fables and little fairy tales, when they stand behind the pulpit and thunder out, as it were, with the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God under the anointing of God, when they start to tell the people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear, then revival blessing will come and our people, I believe, will return again. But I believe it starts behind the sacred desk when preaching from the sacred book. Here we have Israel had fallen away far from God, just like our own nation this evening. Arise and shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, says the Lord to them. God's elect light first shines into his ancient people. And God's reflecting light shines out from Israel to the Gentiles or to the non-Israelite nations around about. That was God's purpose to bring his word to Israel, that they would have the light of the word of God, the temple worship of God, and that all the other nations would be jealous of them because God was in the midst of them and flocked to their gates and flocked to see what this is of the great God. In verse 3 of our reading, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. And the Gentiles is the word goi. The goi or the goyim is the same as the ethnos in the New Testament for Gentiles. And what he's saying here is the Gentiles, the goi shall come to thy light, Israel. In other words, you will be the blessing. You will be the witness. You will be the one that honors me, but my light will be in you and you will reflect my light to other peoples. And the kings to the brightness of thy rising. You see that little word there for rising? Look at verse 1. Arise. You can underline that. Arise. For thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen. Arise, risen, and then in verse 3, rising. Here's just a little sidelight as we're looking at this. The word here for risen, arise, and rising is all very closely linked in the Hebrew text. For example, arise, risen, and arise is the word zarach, zarach. And it simply means to break out and to break forth like a light would shine. And in verse 3, rising is the word zerach, zerach. And it means 
the rising as in the dawn of, of the morning when the sun would go across the earth to break forth of the sun. And hence the Lord is saying, it's time for you to start to rise, start to shine, start to break forth. But the word Zorach and Zerach are very, very closely linked to a word called Zarah. And Zarah was a son of Judah through Tamar. And there's a whole story, and you can read about that in Genesis chapter 38, when Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law, and she tricks him, and he lies with her, and she's now pregnant with twins. And she has twins, Zara and Farez. And Zara's hand comes from the womb first, and the midwife takes a scarlet thread, a red cord, and wraps it around his hand. But the hand retracts to the womb, and of course, after that, Farez, the twin brother, comes out in the fullness and is born through the matrix of the womb. And he receives the birthright. But Zara means to rise, to shine forth. And he is the son of the scarlet thread or the son of the red hand. He populates Italy, the Mediterranean, the Spain. Paul talks about going to Spain when he was in prison, if it was God's will, to those who had populated around there. And he goes on, and they follow on round to Ireland and into Britain. And it might help you if you look at a red hand that is lifted up. Does it sound familiar to you? And God says, arise and shine. It's time for you to rise. Ulster, time to arise. Time to shine again. And was this little province especially, through years of bloodshed and trouble, and through years of hardship, yet the glorious gospel of saving grace in Christ was preached and thundered throughout our little province. And this province stood the last bastion of evangelicalism in, in, in the whole of Europe. And head per head, it was known that Northern Ireland had more Christian believers than any other country at one time in the world. Oh, how far we have fallen. How far we have walked away from God. And God calls us again tonight. And he says, arise and shine. For thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Brothers and sisters, if you're wanting to know what the glory of the Lord is that has risen upon you and upon I this evening, here it is. The glory of the Lord is still the book and the blood. The glory of the Lord is still the preaching of the gospel of saving grace. The glory of the Lord and the light is the word of God talking about Christ, preaching him crucified and risen from the dead again. Brothers and sisters, we are a blessed people, but we are and have become a softened people, a people without backbone, a people with no standing, a people who are afraid. Lots of the church and most of it have now become like toothless lions, and they have many ministers and pastors and preachers have a backbone made out of soft carved banana. That's what they're like tonight. 
They will not lift the word and preach it. You know why? Because they're afraid of their pay packet. They're afraid of their mounts. Brothers and sisters, here is the word to us tonight. He says, Israel, he says to you and I tonight, arise and shine. He doesn't say lie down and die. He doesn't say go and mingle with the darkness and cover your light under a bushel. He says it's time to arise and it's time to shine. We are living in dangerous days, absolutely. We're living in perilous times, absolutely we are. But nevertheless, here's something for you. It doesn't matter how dark and gross darkness is. We'll look at it in a minute that covers the land. It matters not. Let me tell you what matters. It matters how brightly you shine. It matters the word of God in you. Listen, darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. Darkness only exists where there is an absence of light. Yahweh's glory is to be seen in the nation through the people of the nation. But Yahweh's glory needs to start in this church. Needs to start in his church. Look at verse 2 of our reading, please. While you're looking it up, I'm going to get a drink. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. Oh, I don't know many times I've, I've read that this week. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The glory of the Lord was risen upon Britain. The glory of the Lord was seen in it. When you take a map and color in two-thirds of the globe of where their extensive powers had went, yes, there was many wrongdoings. I understand that. But it led way for the gospel. It led way for the missionary. It led way for the word of God to be taught. It led way for all sorts of road systems to be put out that it may travel further and easier. But the glory of the Lord was risen upon it. And hence they have taken God out of everything that our nation ever stood for. In fact, Britain and its government are anti-Christ. They are anti-Christ. Yahweh's glory should be seen in us. The Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. You know, I pray for this assembly. And look at the people out in such a rainy night. Look, it's fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. I have to give you credit. I really do. It's fantastic. But here's the thing. For this assembly, if we start trusting more, if we become faithful in our walk and ways with the Lord, if we keep preaching the gospel of saving grace and teaching the word of God to our children and to our youth, if we keep reaching out even with the rejections. Listen, if, if half of you knew the hatred that comes against this place, the hatred that comes against me but against this place, if you knew the demonic influences that are trying to destroy us. But guess what? Every time the devil tries to move closer and do more damage, the Lord keeps blessing us. The Lord keeps moving in us. The Lord keeps strengthening us. 
That's what I want for CET. That's what we need in CET. This isn't about being a Protestant or a Catholic, a religious person or whatever. This is about being born of the Spirit of God and washed in his precious blood. That's what it's about. Brothers and sisters, God will rest his glory upon us. Our pastor used to say, he'd say, young man, listen. He used to say, God has an anointing to give and he's looking for a vessel to anoint. God has an anointing to give and he's looking for a vessel to anoint. Will that be you? Are you willing to take up your cross and follow him? Are you willing to stand against the wiles of the devil with the shield of faith? Are you willing to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to slay the wicked ones in our nation? Are you willing, brother? Are you willing, sister? Do you want, do you want the anointing of the spirit? Because I know I do. I do. Because without him, we might as well shut the doors and go home. We might as well shut the doors and go home because all we are is another blasphemy club. Social club. It's all we are. I want to be the local expression of the body of Christ in Guilford where we will, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, go out Reach out, speak out, and stand up for the glory of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. What a Christ we serve. What a glorious God we have. Here's a question to us all. Here's a question to you and I. Here's a question to every one of us. Who will answer the call tonight? Who will answer the call? Who will arise And obey the command of God to arise and shine as a believer. Who will awake and shine in the darkness of our land and our nation and uh, uh, and where we live, our society? Are we going to be mealy-mouthed? Are we going to be that sort of person, church? This isn't condemnation. Please don't think that. But is that what we are going to be? Or are we going to be setting the trumpet to our mouths? I'm blowing the shofar that men and women might hear of a Christ that saves, even in the darkness of our world. Listen to the Puritan Thomas Watson. He says, to obey God is not so much our duty as our privilege. To obey God is not so much our duty as our privilege. I'm privileged. When I hear the word of God, I am privileged when I'm challenged by the word. I'm privileged when I'm convicted of the spirit. You and I are a privileged people for God, as I said this morning, could have left us in darkness and left us in our sin on the broad road to destruction, going to hell, as it were, in a handcart. But in his grace and his glory, we are privileged for him to call us unto salvation and then to call us out that we might walk and follow him. Listen to Thomas Adams. He said, true obedience hath no lead at its heels. 
True obedience hath no lead at his heels. And here's some believers on a Sunday night and they'll be going, yes, that's spoken to me. Yes, that has talked to me. Even unbelievers. Obedience, come to the cross. Come and get saved. Oh, yes, but there's, you see, then they have lead at their heels. And they lead at their heels, they, oh, well, I'm not come to the call just yet. My legs are tired. Or the believer, yes, yes, but by the time tomorrow comes, I will forget about that. Well, we heard about that, and the pastor went on again as usual. That's him banging his drum, you know. And, and the thing is, it's lead at the heels. But true obedience hath no lead at its heels, brothers and sisters. But I tell you, true obedience flees. To the call of Christ with all its swiftness. If we are to see our children saved, if we are to see our children in the womb saved, in the schoolhouse saved, saved from wickedness, from death, destruction. If we're to see them saved from all of these laws and rules and regulations which are coming upon our nation and into our land, if we are to see our children or our grandchildren saved, if we are to see our nation blessed again, if we're to see Ireland blessed, if we are to see our country prosper again, if we're to see our people redeemed And walking with God again, if we are to see our God glorified, then you and I, church, we must answer the call and we must obey the command. Arise, shine, for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. The question is, why, Lord, us? But the answer is, because you're privileged that he has. Many a times. And really I wouldn't have it any other way, but there's many a times. Many a times I'm bringing a message, maybe even like this, and it's difficult. People think I come up here and it's easy and I just can't wait and I'm busting to get up here to preach it. When I'm right, I'm going, oh great, I'm going to hammer everybody that I know. No. No. I sit in my study and say, Lord, give it to somebody else. But then I realize and I repent of that and I say, Lord, thank you that you've called me for this. That I am so privileged that you would even give me the opportunity to serve you in this fashion. Arise and shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Notice verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. In this, the darkness gets greater. Darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness, the people. Darkness is getting, it's getting deeper. It's getting darker. I'm going to show you that these words for darkness change here. It's not the same word. Our word is, in English, doesn't do it justice. Talks about this looming darkness. A looming darkness where our nation is, where Israel is. 
a looming darkness. And it will take God's glory to be seen upon us. Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Hosea. Hosea, please, just as we run into this. Hosea chapter 5, if you have your Bible with you, please. Hosea chapter 5. And verse 1. Now, Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom known as the house of Israel. He's a prophet to them. He does mention the southern kingdom, but he is a prophet to the northern kingdom. Verse 1 says, Hear ye this, O priests. There's your church. There's your church. You're listening, church. And hearken, ye house of Israel. There's the government and the people. And give ye ear, O house of the king. There's the monarchy. Royalty. For judgment is towards you because ye have been a snare on Mizpah. And then that spread upon Tabor. See that Mizpah, by the way, you'll find out Genesis 31. And it's uh, Jacob and Laban. And they decide, no, there's a lot of trickery went on. And I'm just throwing this out, by the way. A lot of trickery went on. And they end up, they, they, they get a place and they call it Mizpeh. May the Lord watch between thee and me while we are apart one from the other. And it's all written in nice wee cards, isn't it? No, we, we lovely fancy cards. It's not a lovely wee thing. I'm going to get sand at them away just to tell her, may the Lord, or my sweetheart, you know, Lord, well, you know, watch between me and thee while we are apart one from the other. That's not what it means. You know that? It's nothing to do with that. Sounds all flurry and fairy tales, doesn't it? But it's nothing to do with that. Here's what it means. Laban, after being tricked by Jacob, and Jacob, after being tricked by Laban, and the two of them at loggerheads, one with the other, set up the stones to say, this is Mizpah. And the Lord watched between me and thee while we are apart one from another. This is what it means. They were saying to each other, see this moment. That you and I have put this to bed, this fighting and arguing to bed. See this moment, it's a Mizpah moment. And when you're away doing your thing, and I'm away doing my thing, if you do anything on me, if you do anything behind my back, if you come to hurt me, on me, you, may the Lord see it while we're apart one from another. That's what it means. So next time you go into the card shop, and you get the wee word Mizpah on it, you're going to know it doesn't mean all lovely, dovey hearts and flowers. and It's not what it means. And here, the Lord's talking about the mispeh. Look what you've done in me. And you're apart from me, O house of Israel. The people have went into darkness. That's what it means. Just for time's sake, Time's flying. Just for time's sake, let your eye run down the chapter, please, to verse 13. Ephraim is a tribe in the northern kingdom of the ten tribes. But Ephraim becomes the, the cover name for the whole house of Israel. Ephraim takes the firstborn's place, which was Reuben. Reuben defiled his father's bed. and He lost his inheritance as the firstborn of Israel. And so it is placed onto Joseph's son, Ephraim. And Ephraim now, sometimes it speaks of the tribe, sometimes it speaks of the kingdom. And Ephraim here, notice this. Verse 13, and Ephraim saw his wickedness and Judah 
saw his wound. Would you say saw? Say that little word saw. This is important. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Here's what the Lord is saying here in Hosea 5 and 13 to Ephraim, the northern kingdom. The little word saw is the exact same Hebrew word used in our reading tonight in verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. See the word seen, S-E-E-N. The same word in the Hebrew is used for the word in Hosea 5 and 13. When Ephraim saw his wound, and Judah saw his sickness, pardon me, and Judah saw his wound. Same word. For example, the word used in seen and saw is the word ra'ah. And it means to have a view, to be given a vision. I want you to get this now. To have a view or to be given a vision. It means to observe, to consider, to give attention to and start to understand. The Lord was saying in Hosea 5 and 13, he's saying that Ephraim or the northern kingdom, whatever the Lord done among them, he says, now here is the mirror of the word of God. And in this mirror and in my commandments, you should have the vision. In other words, to look one upon another and start to see what is actually happening in the land. You know, whenever you're looking sometimes, whether it be in news or social media, what's happening in our streets and our towns and our cities and our villages, and we're seeing it all. We're looking one upon another. And even those that you wouldn't have thought of recognize these things. They look one to another and they say, are you seeing this? Yeah, I'm seeing this. Are you seeing where our land's going to? I'm seeing where our land's going to. Can you see the depravity our nation's in? Yeah, I see the depravity our nation's in. And they all start to see it and to talk about it. That's the idea of this. When Ephraim saw his sickness, it means he saw his sin. And every every person that is to be saved must realize their sin, that God, the Holy Ghost, gives us the view and the vision of ourselves. And in our land, we can see, is anybody else seeing this? Can I ask you as church tonight, do you see whenever you're looking around our nation, and you see all the things that's coming into it, into our land, and into little old Northern Ireland, into Ulster, across Ireland? See, when you think of the WHO and all of their stuff they're bringing in, and all of this RSE stuff they're bringing in, and all of these laws they've done on abortion, uh, we've, got the, we've got the most extreme laws in the whole of Europe even, in here in Northern Ireland. When we talk about this, when we preach about this, can I ask you, can you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? I can't, not, I can't but not see it. And the darkness has covered the, the earth or the land, but, and gross darkness is covering the people. And God gave the house of Israel, he gave them a vision 
It means they were able to perceive what was happening in the nation, in the land. I got a compliment today. It's one of the few, like, but I got a compliment today. The man from a church near the area was talking to someone out of here and they said, There's nobody warning the people, nobody anywhere. And this man turned and said, well, the, the man in CET is. I said, well, there you are. I took that as a compliment. It's time to sound an alarm, brothers and sisters, in all of God's holy mountain. Hear the word when Ephraim saw all have a vision of sickness. And Judah saw his wound. See this word ra'ah? Do you know what the, that's the Hebrew word ra'ah? Do you know what the Hebrew word is? Horeo. That's the Greek equivalent to it. And it means to look one upon another. We're looking at this. Is this really happening in our nation? I'm looking at this. Is this really happening in our land? We're, we're watching things in, on the news, and, and if somebody doesn't like it, cancel culture comes. They cancel all of our heritage, and they, uh, and they cancel our history, and they're, they're canceling it because they don't like it. It's not to their agenda. They're cancelling it. They're cancelling men and women and preachers, even people on television. They're cancelling it. They come and they attack it. And every time, and you would say it yourself, I hope you do, because I'm thinking, is anybody else seeing this? Where's the outcry of this? How is this able to happen? Talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. People of Ukraine are decimated in areas of their country because of these elites. Because of NATO. Won't leave them alone. And Russia. Is anybody seeing this? To look one another. It's horrible. God enabled them. I can't explain the spirit of it, but it's his spirit. He gives people the vision, the ability to see what's going on. Even the unsaved, looking at it and realizing this is wrong. The whole RSE thing. Sure, the unsaved are starting to stand more than the church are. Ra'ah is the Hebrew Horeo is the Greek, to look one another. Do you want to tell you what the Latin is? You ready? And I've mentioned this before years ago, so if you remember it, forgive me for repeating it. So it means to have a vision, to look one upon another. And the Latin is fideo. Do you know what that means? Do you know what our English is for the Latin? Video. Fideo. In the Latin it means God even showed them their sin as if they were watching a video. Do 
Remember you got saved and God showed you your sin as if you were watching a video of yourself? I did anyway. This is you. Well, he'd done this with the nation. And he showed them, as it were, a video of themselves in the spirit. And the word ra-ha-re-o-ar-fite-o, it is used also in our reading in, in, in Isaiah 60 and verse 2. For behold, darkness shall cover the people and gross dark, pardon me, cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen. It's the same word. His glory. People will notice it. Look at the moving of God on you. Look at the anointing of God in you. People will notice the glory of God in the land. You see, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But when we walk before the Lord, when our laws and our judgments and the commandments of God was the very basis of our law in this land, God displayed his glory in the nation. Revival started to come. 1859 Ulster Revival. The Hebridean. The Welsh Revival. Sunderland Revival. Started something like 150 something, I think if I'm right, in Ulster alone were born again of the Spirit. And here's what it does, by the way. By the, by the time it was moving, starting the Holy Ghost was saving and moving, drawing them to Christ. A lot of the old, I don't, want to name the, I don't want to name the denominations, but a lot of the old denominations, they were warning the people, stay away from this. Stay away from these people. This is not a move of God. Stay away. And all the time, God was saving the souls of men and women. God was washing them in the blood of the Lamb. And God was reviving Ulster again. I know we'll get it. See that head case behind the pulpit and CET? Do you see that lunatic who prances up and down the stage like he's ahead of the ball? Oh, we'll get it. I don't care, by the way. I don't care. I'll tell you why. Because God is moving. So will you answer the call? CET? To arise and shine. In verse 1 we have shining and we have light. In verse 2 we have darkness and gross darkness. And in verse 3 we have light and brilliance. Uh, the, the term here in verse 2, for example, for darkness is the word choshach. Choshach. It means a literal darkness, or metaphorically, a spiritual darkness. God says in Isaiah 60, he's saying, Arise and shine, because there's a, a spiritual darkness, a literal darkness like you could feel. Do you ever get that? Like when Israel were in Egypt, there was a darkness which could be felt. When darkness came upon Abraham, it was like a darkness that could be felt. A thick darkness. And this word here, hoshach, literally or metaphorically, would mean a, a literal, spiritual, heavy darkness. And so the light to shine 
in verse 1, it means, it's the word or. Shine and light are the exact same words, by the way. So it's the word or. And the word or gives the idea to become the light, to become the light, to become the one with the teaching and the doctrine, to be the preacher, to be the church, to shine forth the light. Like the sun would come up and the light starts to get bigger as the sun rises and the light starts to come into the darkness. This is the idea of the or, O-R-E, in our English rendering. It's the Hebrew word for it, or, and it gives the idea, he says, arise and shine. Come on, church, time to get up. It's time to wake up. It's time to shine, just like the sun would come up over the horizon and the light would start to shine into the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. He's saying it's time to arise and to shine, to become the light. To become the light with teaching and doctrine. And of course, this darkness of Hoshach it's a spiritual, so we need to bring the word, the truth of God's word. And the gross darkness that covers the people, you ready? It's the word Arafel. And this is what it gives the idea. An idea of a, of a, of a thick darkness. It's a, a thick, heavy gloom, like a lowering sky. And God looked at them and says, your sin has made it become, the, the land is spiritually dark. And, and the people, over the people, it looks like there's a heavy heavy, dark cloud looming close right down over the people. Gross darkness. Gross darkness. Boy, we can see it, can't we? You can feel it, can't you? Matthew 4 and in verse 16 tells us that the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Speaking of Christ appearing on the scene. People which sat in darkness saw great light. And the word here in the Greek is the exact same words that's used in the Hebrew for the darkness which we've looked at. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, as light sprung up. In other words, light has arisen, has arisen in Christ. Uh, but Matthew 27, verse 45. Matthew 27 and verse 45, the Spirit brings us right to the foot of Calvary. Right to the cross. To the suffering Saviour. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. The thing is, brothers and sisters, this is the Lord Jesus, the light of the world. The light was about to be extinguished. And seemingly the darkness would prevail. He took our darkness 
give us his light. He took our sin and shame and gave us his righteousness. He who said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He that said in John 9 and 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So extinguish this word, this, this light. As long as I am in this world, he said, there's light. The Jews had no light. They thought they had light. The light wasn't in the temple. It was mongrelized by this time, mixed with all sorts of tradition of men. And the light of the world. They crucified him. They tried to extinguish him through Roman soldiers' venture. And he entered into darkness. In Matthew 5, and verse 14, Jesus says, Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men put a light Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what the Lord's saying here? You're going to try to extinguish this light, but the Holy Ghost will come and you will be the light. Oh, how the church has become a pale shadow. An extinguishing light. Almost gone. And he says a city set in the hill cannot be hid. And he's looking because they all used to shout and cry. The temple, the temple, the temple. We're still crying. The temple, the temple, the temple. Listen, it's not about the temple, the temple or the temple. It's about the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. It's about the lamb, the lamb, the lamb. It's about the blood, the blood, the blood. It's about his doing, his dying, and his rising again. And he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. If you and I are full of light, then we cannot be hid. When we're in our workplace, when we're walking down the street, when we gather together, no matter who we're with or where we are, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. You see, they looked at the temple in the city on the hill and it had great big golden doors and white walls and when the sun came, it shot all over. The people went, look at the temple in the city. What Jesus is saying, forget about that city. It can't be hid. People who see it from miles away on a sunny day. Yeah, of course. He says, but you're the new Jerusalem. You're a new city. You're come to Mount Zion. Under the spirits of just man made perfect. The book of Hebrews tells us this. We are the new Jerusalem. And we are the city set on the hill of Zion. It cannot be hid. Oh, brothers and sisters, it looks like the church has covered themselves with a bushel. I have too much material, so I'm going to close this. Thank you for your attention tonight. (laughs) 
Isaiah 60 and verse 3, it says, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. The nations and on Israelite people they meant will come to thy light, and kings, the brightness of thy rising. See the word brightness here? It's the word nocha, nocha, and it means the brilliancy. The brilliancy. The shining splendor. Of your Zahra. Oh, that this province of Ulster and Ireland would rise again. Back to our true calling in God. That we would rise again according to the word of God. And that the glory of the Lord would be seen upon us again, the church in the land, the ecclesia, ecclesia. And that glory would be reflective from us. And there would be a brilliancy. A brilliancy. A shining splendor in the church. Do you know what the shining splendor of the church is? Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is our splendor. The splendor of a king clothed in majesty that all the earth rejoice. Yeah, sure. How many nations had heard the gospel, the Gentiles, as it were, had come to hear from the missionaries that went forth how many nations were touched with the, the word of God as it was printed in multitudes of languages? And God used us as people. You know, and we are so, but that was then. And this is now. Brothers and sisters, please. Please. That's defeatism. Ah, but that was then, this is now. It's too hard now. It's too difficult now. That's defeatism. Do you see the God I serve? Do you see the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, the one who came and bled and died? The God I serve. He is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that your eye could ever ask or think of him. Above it all. Think your greatest feat. And he can beat it. Oh, your mind boggles the thought of what Christ has in store for us. And listen, my mind boggles of what Christ will do with us if we just yield ourselves to him. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of men the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Want to know what heaven's going to be like? Get close to Jesus and you'll find out. Because where Jesus is, there's heaven there. Oh, 